morning. Good morning. Hebrews 13:15 reminds us through Jesus, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Our praise and, and our thanksgiving, well, that's the sacrifice we bring to him. And we pray that our offering is pleasing to him. So join us this morning as we we open the service and, and lift up our voices and our hearts and bring him our sacrifice of praise. Sing with us. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy. We bring, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving and we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy one more time we bring we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the lord we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, and we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving, and we offer up to you the sacrifices of joy, the sacrifices of joy. The sacrifices of joy. We do bring him all of our, our praise and our thanksgiving, and we have grateful hearts this morning for what he's done for us. For the length of our days, as long as he gives us breath, this next song says, may we spend our time honoring him. Let my story be told in this heart-spoken phrase. I will worship you, Lord, all my days. Sing with us. This life that I live bring you praise, blessing you and your wonderful ways. In the work of my hands and the words that I say, I will worship you, Lord, all my days. I will sing to your name when I wake, giving for each breath that I take From the first light I see To the last prayer I pray I will worship you, Lord, all my days All my 
so good to us. We're going to close our singing with this sweet thought. Jesus, we just want to thank you. Thank you for being so good. Just want to serve you. 
to live in your home. Jesus, we just want to thank you. 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 Thank you for being so good. Sing that last line. We have no clock there. So I am going to preach for a long time. <laughs> You're stuck with me. And don't you ever dare to sleep on me again. I will call your name. <laughs> it's good to be here with you. Well, since we're talking about Sleeping on me, I have a little story to tell you. A church that loved good fellowship always served coffee after the sermon. Oh, yeah, you started laughing. Okay, I know. The pastor asked little boy, a little boy there, if he knew they serve the coffee. And if he knew why they served the coffee. I think, said the boy, it's to get the people wide awake before they drive home. <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> so Jan, please put the pot of coffee on so... No, we're not. Let's open the word of God. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. The church was dispersed after Stephen's death. Verse 19, chapter 11, verse 19. So then, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews alone. But there were some of them men of Cyprus and Cyrene who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Verse 22. And the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas 
off to Antioch. Then, when he had come and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Verse 25, And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came about that for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The disciples first called Christians in Antioch. May God bless his word. We have before us this day a portrait of a man who was given a nickname most of you know his nickname, the Son of Consolation. It's a term of endearment that might be rendered the encourager. It signified that in the opinion of men, his preaching of Christian truth was of a most helpful nature, giving relief to the wounded and strength to the weary. The name of love has stuck to him. As we find on the pages of the word of God, a man of supreme kindness, love, and full of zeal to the Lord. Barnabas. His example, hopefully this morning, can help us achieve success in the church of God and give us encouragement to go and win souls for him. I have lately been speaking about personalities and I like to speak about character studies. Though we don't cover it all or all what is meant for us to learn but at least it will give us an encouragement and a new way to look at the men of God and the women of God that God has used in the past so they can be an encouragement for us to follow their life. So we have a portion about a man called Barnabas. And we find in his short biography few things, at least I found, that I wanted to share with you. Simply put, I wanted to share, to share what I found about him. Some of you know, and maybe more than I found, but I would invite you, after we finish, that take this name, Barnabas, and go and do your study, and try to find out more things than we are to discuss this morning. What I found in this man for us, as, a, as an example for us, he was a man of great sacrificial spirit. A man of great sacrificial spirit. His goal in life, I find out through my studies of him, was to help spread the gospel. I think we can take a lesson from that and follow his example. As he observed the great power that accompanied the apostles in witnessing to the crowds about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in the early, early book of Acts, it's mentioned, and the great revival amongst the multitude there, he was moved. And listen to what he did. Great sacrificial spirit. Listen. He made a sacrificial investment in the work of the Lord. He sold a piece of property to provide financial resources necessary to care for Jesus' followers 
in the early Christian church. He gave his all to the Savior, and he never looked back. Would you please turn with me backward a little bit to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. This is what he saw, this is what he witnessed, and may the Lord help us to see what he saw. Look, and the congregation of those who believed at the very beginning, when Peter was preaching with the disciples, were, one, were of one heart. Those who got saved were one of one heart. You know, I can say with all my heart that we are one-hearted people. Yes or no? We need to be. There were one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him at that time was his own. But all things were common property to them. This is the birth of Christianity. It took so much to invest. To get it going. And the Lord blessed it all over. And with great power. The apostles were giving witnesses, witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales. And lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each as any had need. And here's what I want to draw your attention to. And Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas, by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement. What did he do? And he owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Sacrificial spirit. He didn't care. He said, what's the, what's the land is going to do to me in Cyprus? I'm here. We're here in Jerusalem. We're here beginning of a great revival, of a great revolution in the history of man. This is a new way. And they didn't know. They didn't call it yet Christianity. That was a new way. And when they talked about it, they said, he, that we are following the new way. And as we're going to see until chapter 11 and verse 26, we see that they were first called in Antioch Christians. Nothing stood in their way. And... Barnabas to see souls saved and people joining the new way, he went and got rid of all what he owned, the piece of land in Cyprus which was going to do him nothing and followed the Lord, put the money at the feet of the disciples. I can tell you, he, see, he, he, he even later on has sacrificed his own Life, married life. You know, he never got married. And you say, hey, where did you find it? It's in the, in the uh, First Corinthians chapter 9. You'll find it there. First Corinthians chapter 9, if you, if you would like to turn uh, with me. Paul is writing about him. Paul is talking on his behalf. And in verse 5 he says, do we not, and Paul, Paul, Paul talking here, do we not have a right to take along a believing wife? even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? Paul is writing about him. He sacrificed his completely, complete life and to Jesus Christ. Sacrificial man. Today the church is established. We are 
living supposedly in a Christian country, and the word of God has gone all over the world. And the gospel is being preached, thank God, in spite of the devil, everywhere in the world. And we know very well that we do not need to do, to do what he did, but we have his spirit to see it very clear that he was a sacrificing man for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we sacrifice for the Lord? Do we? I'm not talking about money normally. I don't talk about money. It's no, it's a no, no here. Okay? I let Dean talk about that. He's our. <laughs> and when he talks about it, I sweat, I tell you. But are we sacrificing our time? Are we sacrificing efforts? Are we doing something that we call, we call a sacrifice for the Lord Jesus Christ? Think of it. We sometimes find difficulty coming to church. Or if we just look at the cross as we heard about this morning. Stop over at that cross. And look how much Jesus Christ endured, Dave. How much endured, John. And we will see for his own, the joy for us. He endured the cross. We will sacrifice our time and come to attend the meeting on Sunday and Monday and Wednesday and start really living, living truly for the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, away with my life. Yeah, he could have gotten married. He could have had, he says, I'm, I'm a rich man in, in Cyprus. Well, let me tell you one thing. If someone comes to me today and said, Adol, I mean, you are a rich man in Lebanon. I said, you can take it and take everything. The United States is my home and this church I serve until I see the Lord again. What are we doing for the Lord Jesus Christ? He is setting an example, a sacrificial spirit. And we find it difficult to come on Wednesday evening and attend the Bible study. And we find it very difficult since we have the website now and it's, it's all over the web and why should I change and I think I'm tired and you sit down and watch it on the web. I tell you one thing, it's not the same. The web is made for the sick people, the people out of town, the people who want to watch it in Timbuktu, anywhere they want to watch it. But the people who live in the area, they should come to church and, and be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you come to church, Jesus is sitting on the front seat waiting for you to come and worship and study the word of God with them. Do I make sense? This is a man who could say with the Apostle Paul, I do not consider my life of any account, Acts 20, 24. I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Think, when you stay home without sacrificing this hour, without sacrificing a little bit of your time, maybe you have a headache, take an aspirin and come to church. Period. I took two this morning. Because I had a headache all night. I took two and I feel great. And I have a joy to be in the church. Did I make my, my point? Take time. Sacrifice. This is a sacrifice I'm talking about. He doesn't want, 
He doesn't want your land, not anymore. He, he owns everything. He doesn't want your money. The Lord takes care of his church. He wants you. He wants to see you reciprocating those tears, that heart that was broken, those hands that were nailed on the cross, the feet that were nailed, the death he died, the pain. He wants to see you sacrificing as he sacrificed and come and worship the Lord and be a church whenever a church there is. The world today is in total array. And it's sick. Outside the walls of this church, the world is sick. Just look around. Just listen to the news. I sometimes say, I am not, am I living in the United States? It behooves us, dear brothers and sisters, and dear guests, this afternoon now, there's no clock. We're going to go till 2 o'clock. Amen. It behooves us. It behooves us to think, what am I doing for the Lord Jesus Christ? This man is sacrificing himself. And more as we see in him. That's the first point. Second point, Barnabas was a peacemaker with an insight. We always think of him as an encourager. I give him that. Son of consolation, I give him that. Meek, I give him that. But look at him. He had, he had a peacemaker and a requirement by a peacemaker in the church of God, in Christianity, should be close to God. His life be a life that is sacrificed and consecrated to Jesus Christ. The Bible says he was a good man. Remember when I preach about very good man? To, I mean, on, in June, very good man, Barzillai. Who remembers the word? You forgot it. You want me to repeat it again? <laughs> Barzillai, a very good man. And this, the Bible says, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And what did he do? Does he have the qualification to be a peacemaker? Tell me. You bet. Yes. To him, the Holy Spirit was not a vague blur. To him, the Holy Spirit was not uh, uh, something that you talk about. To him, to him, the Holy Spirit was a living presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had yielded his mind, body and soul, to the sovereign, graceful leadership of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? This is desperately needed in our church. Oh, how much we need someone filled with the Holy Spirit. A peacemaker in the church of God. Not here, in the whole annal of Christianity. Someone said, the church has many on her ancient role who knew what it was to be baptized with the baptism of Barnabas. His exuberant generosity inspired them to surrender their all. He was an influence in the church in Jerusalem and later on in Antioch. He was also an intercessor. He had the capacity to see beneath the surface. I told you, I studied his, his uh, biography. He had the capacity to see beneath the surface. He had the spiritual insight to assure the early church that, listen to that, Saul of Tarsus was in reality, a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the church in Jerusalem, in, including the elders, said, Saul, we don't want this among us. No, 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 no. You don't know what he was doing. He, was, he is a persecutor. He wanted to kill the Christians. 
Yeah. Went, and we heard that he had an encounter on the way to, to uh, uh, Damascus. But no, no, not now. But Barnabas, he had the capacity to tell them that Saul of Tarsus later became Paul was for real. Was he for real? Amen. amen. You can say amen, don't you worry. You can say amen. One day I was sitting beside Bill McDonald, or oh, some of you who know Bill McDonald, a man of God who went before us to glory. And our choir was singing. And I leaned, I said, hey, Bill, what? He was taken by the choir. I said, we say amen in this church so much. We say amen. He said, you don't say it often, Adel. <laughs> amen? amen? Thank you very much. He had the, the capacity to take someone like Saul, a young convert, introduce him to the elders in Jerusalem. The very beginning of Christianity. And I tell you one thing, thank God, no one is asleep. I'm happy. No coffee, Jan. No coffee. To take someone and introduce him and support him. And stand behind him and encourage him. And I tell you one thing, when Paul mentions Barnabas, in Corinthians, that means Paul was affected so much by the personality of Barnabas. He was a fellow worker with him. And I will show you in which capacity he was in about 10 minutes. He had the capacity to see the best in others. Go study it. You know, when they Paul and Barnabas were commended by the elders to go on the second missionary journey. Barnabas suggested that they take young Mark so they can train him and he will become a servant of God. And they took him, but Mark, because he was new, he was tender, he couldn't sleep. He couldn't sleep outside without a tent. He couldn't. He was used to his bed and so on. He couldn't continue the ministry with them. And they had uh, a difference of opinion. So Mark and Paul, uh, Mark went with Barnabas. They separated from Paul. And Paul continued in his ministry. And the Lord took Europe and Asia Minor by a storm for the gospel. But Barnabas never forgot this young man. He believed, Barnabas, put that down, in second chance. He is a man, beside being peacemaker, intercessor, he believed in giving someone a second chance. Are we? Or we could say, we gave him enough chances and that's it. We're not here to cut throats. We're not here to be judges. We're here to represent the Lord Jesus Christ and his love and his compassion. If he was to judge the woman who, had, who was living in sin, and when she came to see him, she, had, she was on the seventh man. Seventh man. What would we have done? And he was compassionate, and he showed her the way. He gave her the seventh chance, and she got saved and became a gospel announcer to the whole area. When they brought to him the woman who was, was caught in adultery and all these people amongst them, elders and so on, and they wanted to what? Throw stones at her. But he dealt with them and he gave her another chance. Go and sin no more. Elders of the church and deacons and men Believers, do we have the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we have a loving heart that 
always thinks and to give another chance for that woman or for that man, for the brother or sister. I'm not saying that we close our eyes to this, to sin. Sin is sin, period. And it should be dealt with. But it depends how to deal with it. He kept after. What time is it, Dean? Okay. I have till 2 o'clock. Barnabas kept after Mark, this young man. And guess what? This young man, you want to know what came of him? I will read you only one verse written by Paul. By Paul himself. In 2 Timothy 4.11, he said, he's writing to Timothy. He said, Timothy, only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for the service. Does it pay to give a second chance to someone? You tell me. That's Barnabas. In brief, someone said about this saint, Barnabas, mentally and morally, Barnabas was a man among men. And you know, on top of this, he was also willing to play second fiddle, if I may use the word, second fiddle. You know, when they needed someone to go to Antioch, and there's, there you have 300 miles from Jerusalem to Antioch, north of Syria, and to look for Paul. Barnabas was equipped. He was preaching. He was an example for the church. And everywhere he went with the church, with the church, he was Barnabas. They always loved him and loved his spirit and loved sacrificing life and his service for the Lord and his zeal for the gospel. You know, I would say the Bible says in Acts 11, the brethren, the church there, decided to send Barnabas. I believe, you know what I believe there? That Barnabas says, before they decided, I will go. I will go. 300 miles. I, will, I have a good car. He'll take me for 300 from here to there, right? Yeah, sure. Whether it's a donkey or horse or a ship or a carriage or walking, he will travel the 300 miles to go and what? Why didn't they use me? He didn't say, I'm good, I'm equipped. Why don't they send me to Antioch? I can conduct a revival meeting in Antioch. And how many people? They can announce, Paul is coming, to, uh, Barnabas is coming to Antioch, and then, hey, and then everybody will come. No, this is not how revivals work. It's not announcing Tom, Dick, and Harry is coming to town. It's the Holy Spirit that works in the heart of men and women. He went. He did not say anything. And went to Antioch. And he was thrilled to see the, how the work of God is going. And they told him, I'm glad you came. You're it. Come on, help us. He said, no, no, no. No, no, no. I'm not it. I'm coming to find Paul. He is fit for this occasion. Men, church of God, God has placed in his church men fit to preach, men fit to teach, men fit to help, men fit to uh, do work. He gave each and everyone the gift for the right time and for the right 
ministry. He didn't say, why, why not me? Why Paul? He said, wait a minute, wait here. And he traveled about 50 miles to Tarsus. He, know, he knows where Paul came from. And he went there, found Paul. Found him, he said, Paul, where have you been hiding? We need you. And he brought him to Antioch. There is absolutely in his life, this man, no spirit of envy, of jealousy. There's not even an indication of that. He had the rare capacity of being more interested in the work of God than in himself. So many people, how do I look? How was my, how was my preaching today? And they want to hear, well done. Let me tell you one thing. We might not hear a well done here forever, but at the judgment seat of Christ, as we enter into our final rest, I want each one, who, one of you to hear, well done, my loyal and faithful servant. I'd rather hear it from God, from Jesus Christ himself, than from man here on earth. And so many times they tell you, well done to be nice to you, right or not? He never cared for that. He never was jealous. If he was jealous, he would say, Paul, here's, here's your work. I brought you here. I'm going back to Jerusalem. No. And the Bible says they stayed and served the Lord for one year together. Second fiddle. You are the one. And from there on, we hear it was Paul, not Barnabas. And he took over because the Lord gave Paul a different kind of ministry. And Barnabas, we're reading about him. Dr. Dr. Luke wrote about him. Barnabas didn't ask, I say, ring the bell for me, I'm doing this and that. No, no. Barnabas did not write anything. They wrote about him. That he is the man we are studying today. He was a useful vessel, don't you say, for Christ? Don't you say that? He never asked to have his name in records in the early church. Nor acknowledgement for what he did. He only wanted to see people saved come to Jesus. His motto was, Lord, use me. Is this our motto? He was always asking himself this question. Has my life really made a difference in anything? Would you like to make a difference? And when the final books are balanced and closed, the greatest tribute anyone could receive would be he was useful when needed and willing to fill the gap regardless of the ministry. If there's someone who needed compassion, love, and encouragement. Barnabas was there. And I pray that each one of us will have this gift. It's easy if you walk close to the Lord. Because of Barnabas' life and word of service, the Bible says in this portion, many were added to the church. Are you a soul winner? If I can be nothing much, ask yourself this question. If I can be nothing much, more than just the object of someone's love, then I'm not worthless. My life is not in vain. My existence is not futile. I may not be much, but I can love someone. I can encourage someone. I can be an influence 
for Jesus Christ, for someone. Lord, use me. Make me a Barnabas. And we can always look forward when really serve him to his voice saying, well done, faithful and loyal servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Amen. Can we, be, can we follow the example of this man? Are we willing? If you say yes in your heart, start tomorrow. The war room is there. Prayer meeting is there tomorrow at 7.30. All men are going to be there. All women are going to be here to listen to the word of God. Sylvia will be here to preach the word, the Bible study. Let all the church be here. Men praying, women studying, and that's how the church grows up. Let's do it. Let's say, Lord, use me. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayers. Father, we commit our lives again to you. We ask you to take over our lives. May we say, Lord, here I am, use me. Like you use this man, Barnabas. As we get ready to go home, be with us. Help us never to forget what you have done and the love you loved us with. May we reciprocate it to each and every one. We remember again those who are traveling, those who are ill. Be with them, heal the sick, bring them back to us safely. Dismiss us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The meeting is over. Thank you for listening to me. No one slept. That's wonderful. God bless you.